Ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I am pleased to introduce today's speaker. Did you drive to today's event, or did you take the bus or the train? No matter the route, we all know that our city's transportation system is in need of an overhaul. And now that spring is here, traffic congestion only gets worse. Perhaps that is why transit is on the agenda for political candidates across the province. When John Tory entered the mayoral race two months ago, he promised more details on his plans to bring transit relief. He joins us today to deliver those details. Mr. Tory has a long history of leading and managing large, complex organizations. This includes his role as the CEO at one of Canada's largest publishing and broadcasting companies, Rogers Media. He was also the commissioner of the Canadian Football League. The mayoral candidate has served in public office as a member of provincial parliament, leader of the Ontario PC party, and leader of the official opposition at Queen's Park. Two years ago, he chaired a special panel that outlined plans to revitalize Ontario Place. Mr. Tory is also a founding member and former chair of the Greater Toronto Civic Action Alliance. His civic engagement didn't stop there. He has been a volunteer director and has championed the causes of many organizations, including the Canadian Paraplegic Association, Crime Stoppers, and the Toronto Association for Community Living. Uh, most recently, he may have helped you navigate your way home as the evening host of Live Drive with John Tory. Before I relinquish the podium, I want to let our live audience know that you can join the conversation via Twitter, where you can follow us at CDNCLUBTO or by using that hashtag. Now, Mr. Tory, the Canadian Club of Toronto's podium, Canada's podium of record, is yours. Well, Mr. President and uh, distinguished guests, uh, one and all, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for that very uh, generous introduction. To say thank you to the Canadian Club uh, for having me here today and to, as well, thank each and every one of you for uh, coming uh, here. I uh, do want to say a couple of things before I get into my uh, remarks about uh, transit and about the future of the city. Uh, first of all, uh, I acknowledge in particular, uh, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but at the head table, the presence of a member of Toronto City Council, uh, who's been a source of very good advice to me, and a former uh, Deputy Mayor of the City of Toronto, uh, who also has been a source of very good advice, and I hope they both will continue uh, to provide uh, me with that advice, although you shouldn't blame them for anything that uh, I say that makes no sense to you whatsoever. Um, and then I want to deal with uh, something in, in ascending order, and I think you'll understand the ascending order uh, when I've uh, dealt with it. First of all, I want to acknowledge the presence in this room of someone uh, who, if you flipped through the dictionary and looked up the word decency, if you looked up the expression public service, if you looked up the expression commitment to Canada, uh, you would find in all three of those places a picture of the Right Honourable John Turner, former Prime Minister of Canada, and I just want to acknowledge his presence here today. And when I say ascending importance, Mr. Turner will understand this one. Uh, it doesn't, it's hard to beat a former Prime Minister and a member of the Privy Council and all that stuff, but um, I also want to ask to stand and be recognized as somebody that is the most important person in my life. And um, today is our 36th wedding anniversary, and I'm married to... I'm married to a woman who is who is smart and she's accomplished and she's funny and most of all she's understanding because 
Um, I did promise her when we got married that we'd have a very interesting life, and she said to me as recently as, as last week, I didn't realize it would be this interesting. Um, but may I ask my dearly beloved Barbara Hackett, wife of 36 years as of today, to stand up. I don't know where she's sitting. Where are you, Barbara? There she is, right there. And as usual, the Canadian club has come to the rescue because I'm able to say to her at the end of the day, well, what a wonderful lunch party was I put on for our anniversary, and uh, so forth and so on. So um, I'll understand if a few people are a bit confused with, uh, with two and in some places three elections going on. I think there may be some people who are a bit confused. I mean, I'll tell you a story. For example, the other day, a guy came up to me in the street and told me I had his vote. And you know, for a politician, this is gold when somebody says, you have my vote. Then the only problem was I didn't move on quickly enough, and he said, I think you'll be an outstanding addition to Parliament. And uh, so I just sort of assumed it was part of that confusion that's going on uh, these days. Wrong building, uh, wrong election. But that's how it goes on the campaign trail sometimes. But seriously, I can tell you I'm having a wonderful time uh, meeting involved and engaged Torontonians. And people like I do, they love this city. They love the city they work in and they play in and that they live in. But at the same time, I can tell you there is a desire that you can feel on the streets when you're talking to people for change, a desire for change, and I think people are responding to my plans to make this city that we love more livable, more affordable, and more functional. Now, I have spoken during the campaign to date about making the city more affordable and more functional. And today, I want to outline a rapid transit plan that I feel will make Toronto a more livable city for the next 50 years. And you know, the spirit and the energy in this city as spring finally takes hold um, are wonderful to behold, and you can feel it. You can feel that sense of energy that doesn't just come from spring, but comes from a city that is a city and a people that are on the move. Or maybe I should say at least we're trying to be on the move. Because the one issue, the one issue that people don't fail to bring up no matter who they are with me, is the congestion on our roads and in our transit system that prevents them from getting around the city quickly and predictably. Economically, I think most of you are feeling it. Things are better. We're having a better run. But congestion is the looming shadow on this prosperity. Just last week, you will have read about this, just last week, the influential Cities of Opportunity ranking came out on the world's major urban areas, and Toronto ranked well, but we dropped a notch. And what was the reason why that was given for us dropping a notch? Our congestion problems. The gridlock on our roads and the cattle car conditions on our buses and streetcars and subways are already costing our economy at least $6 billion a year. $6 billion. That's one of those big numbers that people in public life and people in business use, and sometimes it's better to bring it down to what it really means. It means people sitting in cars. That's bad for the environment as well as being bad for the economy. It means sales reps who aren't selling. Home care workers who are not offering care. People having to say no to jobs that suit them and that they would like to take because it's just too brutal a commute to get to the place where they'd have to work from where they live. It means idling trucks, late deliveries, repairs not being made. And you know, we all know this. There are other more hidden costs. Three-hour commutes. And I was with a cameraman from CP24 this morning on, as we made a commute in live on television. He told me that he's got an hour and a half each way. Three-hour commutes have a way of sapping the energy that we need to spend quality time with our families and to succeed in our careers and to give back to our communities. And, you know, we can debate 
all we want how the situation came to be. We cannot change the past, but we don't have to be defined or confined by it either. As your, yes, indeed. As your mayor, my focus will be on replacing talk with action and getting Torontonians moving again. On the, yeah, that, look, that is worthy of applause too because we got to do that. And I started to talk about that on the morning that I registered to run for mayor. And I said my top priority would be to build a Young Street relief line. The downtown area gained more than 43,000 office jobs. This is good news. Between 2006 and 2011, more than a quarter of a million people now commute into downtown Toronto every weekday morning by public transit. And as we know, thousands more have flocked to downtown to live and to enjoy its high quality of life. But quality of life may not be the term we would use to describe what those 250,000 commuters go through every morning and every evening. Now, you may know that there are plans on the books for one way of providing relief on the Young Street uh, subway, which is what they call a downtown relief line to ease pressure at the two big subway interchanges, Young Bloor and St. George and Bloor. To me, building a conventional, conventional underground relief line first at this point in time comes with two huge drawbacks. For one, that line would take almost two decades to build and cause severe neighborhood and business disruption. Two decades to build, it won't get done until 2031 at the earliest, and maybe later. This isn't the world of 1954 when they dug up Young Street to build our first subway. You've all seen those aerial photographs. And, you know, we were a much smaller city then, and somehow we got by. So that's one drawback. But the second drawback is this. While that conventional downtown relief line would help subway riders already on the system, it would do nothing to extend rapid transit to the furthest corners of our city or to ease congestion on our roads by attracting more Torontonians out of their cars. In fact, Olivia Chow's stopgap plan to put more buses on the road over the next 17 years will simply produce more driver frustration and, for that matter, more frustration by transit passengers who are on those buses in the traffic that is getting worse and worse and worse. So with this conventional relief line, even when you're done, a minimum of 17 years from now, the problem remains bigger than the solution. It's the wrong line at the wrong time, and it isn't funded. We are only going to get one chance to get this right in terms of when and where we do things. And it seems to me that we need a solution that provides both downtown and citywide relief, a solution that takes the pressure off the Young Subway line and brings rapid transit to the city's outlying corners for the first time. And that is why I am pleased to outline for you today a transit relief plan that I believe can break the back of the city's congestion problems, including the problems we're experiencing on the Young Street subway line at the present time, and do that within seven years. I am calling it the One Toronto Transit Plan because its goal is to get people moving again in all four corners of the city in a smarter and faster way and connect people with jobs and jobs with people. Now, right now, our transit system keeps many Torontonians in vertical silos. People who live in one area of the city 
have to pass on jobs in other areas of the city because the math on the commute for them simply doesn't add up. I recently met a business owner, for example, from Markham. He was in the software business. He employs 175 people, a very successful business. He talked to me about the concerns he has on attracting top young talent to work for his innovative business. And the problem for him is very simple and yet very complicated. He has no transit he can point to to offer those young workers, many of whom live by the Rogers Centre or somehow in downtown Toronto, he has no way of pointing to them to a transit option that gets them to and from markup. And of course the situation is true in reverse and it's true within our own city, within the borders of 416. There are people who are seeking and would love to have a job in one part of the city that live in another and don't see an acceptable way of getting there. A lot of these young workers, and it's not confined to people who are young, but a lot of these people live downtown, don't have a car. We've been encouraging people to live downtown and do without a car if they possibly could. And so there's an inability for those people to commute. And so that you can see a conventional downtown relief line will not help the man that I talked about with his business in Markham. It will not help the worker who wants to have that job in some other part of the city and can't get there by public transportation. But the one Toronto transit plan will bring citywide transit relief covering a vastly wider area and it will help that man and that company recruit many of the young, talented people he wants to recruit that are living downtown, and vice versa for that matter. It will help people from across this region get connected to jobs and help jobs get connected to people, and it will do so in seven short years. Seven versus 17. Seven years versus 17. That is a key thing to keep in mind as we go through this, but let's have a closer look at this rapid transit line, and you can take a look uh, behind me. And what you'll see is the green line is the proposed Toronto Relief Line, or Smart Track Line for short. And it is one of the three priorities in my one Toronto transit plan. And the other two, uh, and we'll talk about them a bit as we go through here, are the Scarborough Subway and getting on with that, and a new emphasis on moving more people more quickly through expanded express bus service. And I will come to those in a moment. But the smart track line, again, which you can see here in the green on this map, and you can see some of the existing subways, and the one that sort of goes across the middle there is the Eglinton uh, Crosstown line that is under uh, construction. But the smart track line will be Toronto's first regional express rail line. It will offer electrified, frequent, all-day, two-way express rail service along existing GO corridors from the airport corporate centre in the west to Union Station, down in the downtown core, of course, and back up to Markham in the east, and it will offer this for the price of a TTC ride. That line that you can see there on, uh, on green on the slides in front of you and on some of the cards you have on your table will consist of 53 kilometers and 22 stations, and this is part of why it can get done faster. It will be built 90% on existing railway tracks. 90% on existing railway tracks. That's why it makes so much sense. It's part of the beauty of this proposal. Thanks to our history as an important junction point, Toronto is blessed now, right now, with a comprehensive surface railway system. And the smart track line will wire up these tracks for use by electric trains. What does that mean? It means no tunneling. It means no impact on existing roads. And that's why this 
line can be up and running and carrying passengers in seven years from environmental assessment to opening day. Seven years from environmental assessment to opening days, and that's good news. In fact, it's crucial, much-needed news for Toronto. Now, lest you think this is an untried concept, these are called, in other parts of the world, surface subways. That's what they've come to name them. And to name two places where they've seized the day, how about London, England, and Washington in the United States of America, Washington, D.C.? And they have come to understand in those places, as we have done here and as we will here, the real value proposition of these surface subways. They take less time to build, they cover more area, they move more people, and they increase development values. So here is a typical train, again on the screens that you can see, the electric train that is in use on other regional express rail networks. This is what they look like. Compared with their diesel counterparts, because it's diesel engines that currently uh, pull GO trains along the GO train tracks, these uh, trains, these electric trains, come off the line much faster and break much faster. They also achieve higher speeds so that, for example, for the first time, somebody from Rexdale will be able to get on a train and ride down to Union Station. Not only will they be able to do that for the first time in Rexdale, but they'll be able to do it in 25 minutes. Try doing that on TTC or by car. So these qualities with the braking and the electrification and the starting and the stopping allow for much tighter headways between these trains, meaning that you can have trains more frequently. And by frequent, what I mean is that instead of consulting the schedule on your fridge or on your smartphone, uh, you just head to the station and you know that a train is coming along, another train, before too long. And that is what the transit planners call the sweet spot, and we're going to hit it. Uh, in this city to provide this relief to people who are presently struggling to get on a train on the Yonge Street subway or to get on any transit option at all, any, any transit option at all in some of the more uh, further corners of the city. These will be clean, they will be comfortable, they'll be convenient cars, they'll be equipped with Wi-Fi. I mean, if you think about it for a minute, given some of the time frames I talked about, who wouldn't want to turn in their keys and let somebody else do the driving, whether it's downtown or across the city? Now, the smart track line will cost $8 billion. And as a regional line, it would be built by Metrolinx. You may ask the perfectly valid question, how are we going to finance this? Well, first of all, I will tell you what I won't do. I do not propose to offer hardworking Torontonians transit relief in exchange for a financial headache that could last for years. And therefore, I will not increase property taxes to build the smart track line. Let me repeat that. Yes, go ahead. You got it the first time. The city's one-third portion will come from tax increment financing. And this is a financing method provided by the province of Ontario by legislation passed in 2006 to help municipalities pay upfront capital costs by capturing ahead of time the increased revenues from development on the land near the stations. We know now on the route that has been chosen that there are going to be places where there's going to be development that's going to occur. That in turn will produce new taxation revenue, not to mention new jobs and new activity of all kinds for our city. But we're going to use that future revenue stream to finance the construction of this uh, transit line, the smart track line. We are only at the beginning 
of exploiting the value lift that comes with bringing rapid transit to dense new employment districts like the Unilever lands at the bottom of the Don Valley Parkway. The balance of the cost will be financed by the other two levels of government, and I will have more to say in a moment on how I believe I am the only candidate who will be best suited and best positioned and who can, in fact, bring Ottawa and Queen's Park together with the City of Toronto to get this done. But first, you may be saying to yourself, well, it's all very well and good, John, but isn't, isn't this just another line on the map? What makes this proposal so superior to the alternatives that are already on the books? Well, let me show you. Imagine our current transit system as a funnel. So you can see on the diagram there that the funnel presently takes people on all kinds of buses and directs them in one of two places, either over to the Young Street subway line uh, or down to the Bloor line. So pretty well everybody goes to Finch or to Downsview or to Kipling or to Kennedy on the buses, and then everybody gets on the north-south subway or the east-west subway, the two we have, the two essentially that we have, and heads downtown. So that's why the real crunch is felt at the two midtown intersections, Young and Bloor, and St. George and Bloor. So let's take a look at the difference. The great benefit of the smart track line is that it creates better and faster pathways downtown. So we've now got shown to you the smart track line, and you can see the other patterns that start to give people an option to find other ways downtown. It's that traveler I talked about earlier who can get on the train in Rexdale or in Scarborough, northeast Scarborough, and travel downtown directly and not have to go across or down to the Young Street line or to the Bloor Danforth line. They will have new ways to get to Union Station, and there will be switch points too, by the way, with the existing transit system, one of them on the west side at Dundas West and one of them on the east side at Main Street, so they can hook up with and intersect with the existing subway lines. But a lot of people are going to take, if it's for the price through an integrated fare system of a TTC fare, the train from Rexdale to Union Station directly. They will never get to Kipling. They will never get over to Finch. And that is why it is going to provide relief both for the Young Street line and for the Bloor-Danforth line and for those uh, crowded interchanges in between. And it will be done in seven years, not 17 years. We will have real relief on Young Street in seven years. So again, not to put too fine a point on it, but I mean it is important because this is a key part of why this proposal is so much better. Relief for Young Street will be created by diverting the riders who right now are pouring onto the subway at the northern stations, giving them another option. It's projected, for example, that ridership for the Smart Track line would be equivalent to just over half of the Young Street line's capacity. And those numbers spell real relief for people on the platforms of North Toronto, real relief in seven years, not in 17 years. But you get the added benefit that is not produced by the, the downtown relief line project that is 17 years away in that it doesn't just help people who are jammed onto the subway now, but it also at the same time offers relief from congestion on a city-wide scale. And there again, you can see that this line, the green line, allows people that option in the remote parts of the city. The airport corporate center and the other employment lands northwest of the city and the ones northeast of the city in Markham, they have a total workforce of 200,000 people. And many of those people, as you know, because they're probably your friends or your kids or whatever, they live in Toronto. They choose to live in Toronto. 
the smart track line will get them out of their cars by finally giving them an affordable and convenient alternative to and from work. And when the choice is frequent, express rail service versus the 401 or the Allen or the Parkway, I'll place my bet on Star Trek because I think more and more people will decide finally to leave the car at home because we will give them an alternative. So this provides the relief, but it also brings frequent rapid transit to the corners of the city that have never had it before. Never had it before. Northwest Etobicoke and Northeast Scarborough. And this is not only a matter of fairness in terms of the development of one city, but it's also a huge market of potential transit users who will be able to use this line to connect with employers and jobs in other parts of the city, not just downtown. And so I think it is a win-win for companies, for workers, and for the city itself in terms of that task that I place high on my list, which is to create for real, for the first time since amalgamation, one Toronto, where it's all for one and one for all. But the best argument, yes, and that is worth applauding for too, because we have to do it. But the best argument for the smart track line is that it gives us a chance to erase decades of inaction on the transit file in just seven short years. I believe in my heart that if we wait the 17 years that Olivia Chow, the NDP candidate for mayor, says that it would take her to complete her relief line, that baby in your arms today, whether it's a child or a grandchild, will be heading off at that time to college or university. And even then, if you live north of Bloor, you're out of luck. For those people north of Bloor, no relief at all. If we get going on the smart track line next year, you'll be able to ride in style with that very same child to the Santa Claus parade seven years from now. <laughs> now, the smart track line is not a standalone idea. It is one of three priorities in my One Toronto Transit Plan, which taken together make this a whole plan. And you can find the plan on onetorontotransit.ca and it will show you that the second priority is a new emphasis on express bus service in the city. Buses that make fewer stops can move more people more quickly, and I don't think we've fully exploited their potential. So my One Toronto plan would, as a start, bring express bus service to routes like Dufferin Street, Don Mills Road, Liberty Village and the, front, the Liberty Village Front Street Corridor. These are places where we've had a lot of different development and a lot of people living and trying to get to work and who can use that express bus service. The third and final priority of my transit plan is the Scarborough subway. That's a done deal. It's paid for. Three levels of government have signed on, and unlike Olivia Chow, I will not start my term as mayor by going back on our city's word. We've done that too many times. And this brings me to the choice facing the city this fall. A new mayor will need a united council and a strong mandate from the people to swing the other two levels of government behind this line. We know, we do know, and this is good news, that all three potential premiers have indicated their support for a relief line. We know that Metrolinx is moving to electrification of the GO corridors and developing regional express rail. These ideas are supported by advocacy groups like Transport Action Ontario and experts like the Canadian Urban Institute. And we also know that City Council has twice, not once, but twice endorsed regional express rail the second time as recently as last month. And so my point is, there is a growing consensus that favors the sensible 
approach that I have outlined today. But closing the deal will require strong leadership from City Hall. And so I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how disruptive and how damaging it would be for our transit prospects and for our city's economy and for quality of life in our city if we spend the next four years haggling again over the Scarborough subway as Olivia Chow will do. I want to conclude by posing these two questions to all of you here today. First, put yourself in the shoes of our federal and provincial counterparts and ask yourself this question. Who would you rather partner with to build the transit that Toronto so desperately needs? And I think everybody agrees on that. Would you rather partner with someone who wants to start their term by tearing up a signed and sealed agreement, or a mayor who keeps the city's words and has a fresh mandate to work with the province and with the federal government to deliver one transit plan for one Toronto? And secondly, ask yourself this question as you head to the polls on October 27th, which is five months from today. Which candidate is best able to deliver citywide transit relief to more Torontonians and to more corners of our city and do it on time and on budget? Do you think that candidate is the NDP candidate who would begin her term by taking us backwards and revisiting old decisions? Or do you think it's me, John Tory, who will get off on the right foot with Ottawa and Queen's Park and from my very first day in office, move this plan forward. How you and a lot of other people answer those two questions will matter more than anything else in this election. And I say that because we are now at the point where transit plans on paper need that crucial and final and consistent and unending political push to become real. Because for far too long, we have let the perfect be the enemy of the good when it comes to building transit in this city. And you know what? For many years, we could get away with that, I guess, because we had time on our side. But time has now slipped away. Almost 85,000 new Torontonians arrive here every year, and that's good news for our city. Big companies that drive our economy and whose corporate taxes support many city services are having trouble attracting workers to the core, though, because of the lousy commute times. And the longer people take to get home, the less time they have to spend with their families or to get a good night's sleep or to strengthen their communities through volunteering and giving back. When I was a business executive, and I haven't changed, I always had one eye on the future, but also one eye on the clock. And when it comes to this city, time, which was our friend, is now our enemy. We need a leader who can build now. Who can build now. If you like what you've heard today and you want to see the One, Transit, uh, One Toronto Transit Plan go forward, then you'll have to vote for me, John Tory, on October 27th. And if you do that, I promise you I will do my part and make the Smart Track line a reality within seven years. I said earlier on, and I meant it, that we don't have to be and we should not be defined by our past. There are parts of it to be very proud of and to build on, but we don't have to be defined on our past. What we can do this fall is to define our future. We can vote to keep waiting for another two decades, or we can seize the spirit of 1954 
and vote to build and to grow and to in reality become one Toronto, downtown and suburb, a city and people proudly on the move again. One Toronto and one transit plan from Etobicoke to Scarborough, North York to the waterfront. I say, let's start building the smart track next year for our children, for our grandchildren, for people the world over who continue to come to this city, thank God, the city we all love, and they're seeking what we are for our kids and for our grandkids, hope and opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Let's get this done. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you so much, Sean. I'd like to call upon Noella Milne, past president of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to formally thank you. Thank you, Gord. Mr. Tory, on behalf of the Canadian Club of Toronto, I would like to thank you for choosing our podium to outline your exciting and ambitious plans to improve our city's transit woes. Your passion for making our great city more livable is quite evident. As you pointed out, outdated transportation infrastructure threatens the progress of Canada's economic hub. Each of us wants to get where we need to be in a timely manner. If elected mayor in October, perhaps your transit plans will get us there. We wish you the very best of luck along the long and winding campaign trail. Thank you. Thank you, Noella. And uh, Mr. Tory, thank you once again for being here on such a special day. Congratulations once again. Um, our sincere thanks once again to today's event sponsor, Carpenters District Council of Ontario, for making today's event possible. Before we adjourn for lunch, a couple of quick reminders. On May 29th, in celebration of their achievements and contributions to our nation, we invite you to join us for the Canadian Club's third annual Order of Canada event. This year, we invite you to join us with Gian Gameshi, the host of the National Daily Cultural Affairs talk show Q, as he sits down with three outstanding Order of Canada recipients and extraordinary Canadians, television personality and fashion icon Jeannie Becker, Olympic champion and the author of The Power of More, Marnie McBean, and former Lieutenant Governor of New Brunswick and philanthropist Margaret McCain. That same evening, please join us for an intimate evening of cocktails and conversation as we celebrate the success of the True Patriot Love Expedition to the North Pole. Moderated by Susan MacArthur, the panel will consist of soldiers and civilian team members. And finally, on March 30th, we will be joined by the leader of the Conservative Party of Ontario, Tim Hudak, as he discusses the Million Jobs Plan. To order tickets to any of these events, please visit our web website at canadianclub.org. As well, a video podcast of today's event will be available on iTunes in a few days. Simply visit the event listing on our website. Before adjourning today's meeting, I'd like to remind you of the event survey cards at each of your tables. We truly do value your feedbacks, feedback, and we encourage you to share your comments with us. Before we begin lunch, ladies and gentlemen, I would ask you to rise as you are able and join me in a toast to Canada.
to Canada. Enjoy your lunch. <laughs>